Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. This is episode number 32. And if you're a regular listener, you're going to love that Veronica Solomon is back. She's an interior designer from Katy, Texas. And this woman is a powerhouse. She has transformed her business in the last four or five years and has an inner confidence that I think we all will admire. And Veronica and I are going to be talking about a subject uh, which we both feel very strongly about, and it has to do with markups. And in fact, why we don't even call them markups, because that's perceived as so negative. Veronica is going to tell you in her own words, but suffice it to say that For at least 12 or 13 years, I've been teaching business of design, and one of the first strategies I tapped into was this idea of sharing my discounts with customers so that I could refer to markups rather than markups, which has kind of a negative connotation, but as a discount from retail or a discount from suggested market value. And it has worked so brilliantly in my business life. It is transparent. I can't say enough nice things about it, but you're going to hear Veronica talk about it in her own words. As we were chatting about the topic, though, something came up which happens uh, to come up fairly regularly, and that has to do with clients shopping me or shopping you. And the truth is my clients don't shop me anymore. Um, And the reason they don't shop me is because I have a sophisticated button-down system and a process for running jobs. So there's no time to shop me. There's no reason to shop me. And also, I'm looking for that ideal customer who is too busy to shop me. Uh, My perfect client uh, are two people who are working full-time, and they have money, but they don't have time. Uh, That, to me, is a perfect situation because I can provide an invaluable service to that family and bring their Friday nights around the dinner table to life in a way that is efficient and effective. Um, So that's part of the reason maybe I don't get shopped. But the other part of the reason is we have a pretty tight system between steps three and five that doesn't really allow for a lot of shopping me. I don't do multiple meetings. I don't show them part of what I'm thinking, which then sends them to the internet seeing if they can do better. I show them everything, all of it, all at once. And that has worked so effectively for the last uh, decade or so. I can't tell you, I will never, ever go back. You're going to hear from Veronica Solomon. She's clearly running a mature, sophisticated business. She's very approachable. Uh, You may already friend her on Facebook, and if you don't, I would encourage you to do so. Uh, She's a real mentor and a wonderful person, and I'm so happy she took time to be in the podcast. Before you get to hear from Veronica, though, we're going to hear from the wonderful Cheryl Horn. It's the fabulous Cheryl checking in with us. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you. What's, what's in your crystal ball coming up? 
Um, next week, we have our uh, quarterly webinars we've been doing for all our freemium members. So anyone can sign up on Business of Design and attend this. Um, and it's coming up on November 8th, next Wednesday. And you're going to cover the top 10 questions we get from our members. So this is through um, both your coaching sessions, your group coaching sessions, as well as the questions we get um, on the forum. So the top 10 questions that we get from members, you're going to go over that um, as part of our free webinar. Again, it's next Wednesday at eight, or sorry, not at eight, uh, on November 8th. So make sure you sign up for that and you can attend. Okay, awesome. So there are three levels of membership. If you're not familiar with Business of Design yet, the first one is free. Just come and play with us and get to know the community. And there is a lot of learning that happens at that level. The second one is monthly membership, $67.50, gets you access to hundreds of courses and then webinars that are for members only. And if you're, you're feeling like you want to make a commitment, and we hope you will because it helps us do our annual planning. Uh, annual membership is $675. You get all the courses, plus there's some extra master courses that allow you to have access to my personal contracts that I use for hourly fees and flat fees. So your membership matters to us. It allows us to continue to provide content and plan uh, conferences and all those kind of wonderful things that we hope to do. So looking forward to November 8th. That sounds great. And you'll be on the call as well, right, Cheryl? Yes, I will. I will see you there. All right. Take care. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden, brought to you by Business of Design, a coaching community for independent designers like you. We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. And now back to the show. Veronica, it's great to have you back. Thank you for taking time out of your day. Well, thank you for having me back. Well, we had so much fun last time, and I could see that we're kindred spirits, and you have so much business acumen to share with everyone. And we thought we would tackle a topic that um, for both of us uh, is handled in a way that is unlike how most of the industry handles it, and that has to do with the word markup or the the concept of markup, which neither of you, neither you nor I believe in that, by the way. <laughs> right. <laughs> so first, t tell everybody, what is markup? How do people use that term and why do they use that term? Well, uh, markup, I, I think they use that term as uh, it's, it's, it's an amount or percentage that you add to your, your cost or your net price on a product to so you can make a profit on it. Mm -hmm. um, we all want to do that. We, we all want to be profitable in business. And so, of course, you want to add some margin so you can um, be profitable. We just don't like to use the word markup around our clients because it has a negative tone, in my opinion. It does. And we have a workaround. And I guess right off the top, why don't you share what the workaround is? Well, for me, what I call it is a discount off retail because really that's what I am doing. Um, in fact, I call it a, a discount off of my discount. And it sounds very complicated when I explain it to designers, <laughs> but when I explain it to my clients, it makes perfect sense to them. So basically what I do is I take whatever discount I get off of retail and I split that discount with my clients. And so that's the way I work around instead of using the word markup. So really I'm saving my clients money versus adding money to, it doesn't sound like I'm adding money basically. 
Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that's fundamental to business of design philosophy. We've been teaching that for 15 years, and I've never had a client not understand it and not love it. And so when they ask me specifically, how do you mark up? I say, we don't mark up. We discount from retail. And we we share any discounts we get. Like that's across the board. It doesn't matter if it's on product or on trades. Any discounts that come to us, we share those with clients. And what I love about it is I can remain completely transparent in my business practices. I don't have to hide the fact from my clients that I'm making money because every dollar I make is a dollar they save. That's exactly right. I really wanted, and this is it, it, this actually really came from listening to you. I really wanted to. I've always been a very truthful, transparent person, and kind of say what's on my mind sometimes, even when I shouldn't sometimes. <laughs> and I always wanted to be able to um, express this to my client, but not sounding as if I'm, you know, robbing their shirts off of them. And so when I came across um, your concept, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is perfect. I can let my clients know that yes, I am making some money off of this, but I'm actually saving you money. So if you were to go buy this product on your own, you're obviously going to be paying the retail price. And because you're going through me, I am extending some of my discount to you. So it's a win-win for everybody. And the fact of the matter is, if you're sitting out there thinking, no, but you know, I like markup, that's great. If you put this a different way, it's really just semantics. We are marking Mm -hmm. up on the cost Mm -hmm. that we're purchasing the product. We're just right. um, presenting, it, presenting it to our clients in a way that's more palatable and mm-hmm. in a way that makes us look our best. And why wouldn't you want to do that? What's the downside to doing that? Absolutely, because this pro- this process itself is very overwhelming. It's very new to our clients, and if we can ease them through it, it's the big unknown to a lot of clients. It's still there's still so much mystery in this industry, and so when you're able to position yourself as if you are, uh, I'm working for you, I'm working with you, I'm trying to get this done for you in a way that we're all going to be happy at the end of it, because that's my goal is to make you happy. Then um, there's nothing wrong with positioning yourself in that light to your clients and, and be their hero because that's what you're doing. There, there's no lie. There's no, we're not, you know, hiding anything. It, it's the truth of the matter is we're saving our clients money. So that's the way I prefer to position myself. I love it. I love it. And the fact of the matter is, again, clients can look at my original invoices if they want to, because I'm not hiding anything. And the way that I used to do it is the way that most of the industry does it, which is I would mm-hmm. mark it up as high as I thought I could get away with it. Um, right. And that was true, particularly for trades, right? Like m- maybe my drapery okay. guy was really expensive, so I only marked him up 10%. But my plumber was really uh, inexpensive, so I marked him up 30%. And then when the client said to me, what do you mark up? My face looked like, uh, oh, you know, <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah, which one is it? And immediately the, there's a perception of deception, Right. And now I can say like any, whatever the discount is, whatever the preferred pricing rate is, I share that uh, with the clients. I share whatever that is down from retail with the clients and clients do understand it. And the other thing I want to say, when we do a presentation um, and the bottom line is 300,000, they can see simultaneously or concurrently with that, that the Mm -hmm. savings on 300,000 was $75,000 or whatever. And that's an opportunity for me to say, yes, I know you've thought our hourly fees are substantial and they are, but we're completely covered by the discount sharing. In other words, I'm almost free uh, because I'm sharing all my hefty discounts with you, right? 
absolutely. And it's so good that you mentioned that because I absolutely do that as well. Where When I'm doing my presentations with my clients, um, I actually put what the price they would have paid um, on that product would be. And then I put the price that I've extended to them and they can see clearly what the discount amount is. And then when it's all added up at the bottom and they see how much money they've saved because I'm involved, my fee doesn't look so crazy after all. So it's very good that you mentioned that because it's so important to me to show my clients the savings that they're getting. So not only do I include it in my, in my agreement, but I'm also including it in my presentation to them. Right. Okay. So this is, this is all to say, you guys, we understand that um, markup is a thing and it exists, but we're just asking you to think about your vocabulary and maybe change up how you position yourself in terms of markup to clients. Now let's move on and let's talk about how you can grow those, um, markups or grow the grow that margin to become more profitable and by the way the more profitable you become the more money your clients save so veronica do you have some tips on how you can create healthy margins for yourself as you're working with clients well um for me and i I guess i'll kind of go over how i work out my margins and how I calculate that amount because it's kind of a little bit different from what I think um other people other other people the way other people do it wow why is that why was that so hard to say <laughs> so, um, it's morning example, here <laughs> I, know, I don't know where you are and, <laughs> and I've had my coffee already so oh, I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> oh yeah where where are you by the way you're in Texas yeah, I'm in Katy, Texas. Uh, yeah, okay. I'm in I'm yeah. in Santa Monica. We've got some fog rolling over the ocean right now. And uh, anyway, it's kind of nice. I've got my coffee here. I like talking to you. So go ahead. You've got lots to say. Okay. So, um, for example, a sofa. Let's just use that as an example. And the sofa retails for $1,200. And my cost is $500. So that gives me a discount of $700. What I do is I take that discount of $700 and um, I... You know, my my split discount is 65.35, so I keep 65% off the discounts, and I give my clients 35%. And so I take that $700 that I'm saving, and I, I take 65% off of that, and that I add back to my net amount, which in this case it would be $455, I think. So I add that $455 back to the net amount of $500, and that is my cost to my client, which is it would be about $955, I think. And the reason why I take it off of my discount versus taking it off of the whole retail is because I don't have any control over the net cost that the supplier, the vendor is charging me. That is set in stone. I have to pay that amount. What I have control over is the discount, the discount that they're giving me. So that's what I play with. That's what I split with my clients. And so it it does make a difference. It actually gives you a little bit more when you work it out that way versus when you take the discount off the actual retail price. And so I'm able to maximize, um, you know, my, my margins that way a little bit in order to, to make a little bit more money uh, on the back end for my, for my business. Right. Now we've had Dean from Design Docs go through this with us as well. That's the formula that Design Docs uses for us, which is great. Um, for, for If you're new to this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break this down a little bit and I'm going to say, let's take that same sofa and your savings is $700. The sofa costs you $500, the retail price, or, and this is really important, the suggested retail price, because sometimes you're buying from a wholesale supplier. So you mm-hmm. need to use the suggested 
suggested retail price. So that suggested retail price is $1,200. The difference between your $500 cost and the suggested retail price is $700. If you're new to this and you don't have software to help you do this, at a minimum, what you could do is divide $700 in half. And the client would save 350 and you would keep 350 So that's your basic. That gets you started if you're brand new to this and you just don't feel like you can handle too much more. What Veronica is talking about is actually a method that puts a few more dollars in your pocket. And it sounds complicated, doesn't it, Veronica, as you're trying <laughs> to explain it? Yeah. But it's not quite as complicated as it sounds. So Veronica, walk through it one more time. The same scenario, $500 sofa, your discount. Mm -hmm. is $700 because the suggested retail is $1,200. Mm -hmm. So um, 65%, which is the amount that, 65% um, off $700 is $455. So that is the amount that I am keeping from my discount. And then the 35%, which I think is $245, is the amount that I'm going to discount that product for my client. So you're, you're, you're take, I'm taking my $455 and I'm adding it back to the net amount of $500. And that is my cost to my client. And, um, and the way I position this in my contract. Um, I, I, I hope it's okay if I re read this little line from my contract. Yes. I basically say that merchandise to be purchased by a client from designer will be specified in a written furniture proposal prepared by designer and submitted in each instance to client for approval. Each proposal will describe the item and its specified price to client. The specified price of each item shall be a manufacturer's suggested retail price or MSRP less 35% of any discount that we receive. So it's very important to me to emphasize to my client that that 35% that I'm saving them is off of the discount that I get and not off of the MSRP itself. Absolutely. So that's what that formula is. And like you said, it does sound, kind of sound complicated, but I always kind of do this little number um, um, visual thing with my clients and kind of explain it in that way. And they usually understand it right away. <laughs> so, uh, but it, yeah, you're right. It kind of does sound a little bit complicated, but it really isn't. No, no, no. That's great. And I think for some people, uh, like, particularly like me, I'm a visual learner. So if you don't mind, can we have the language that you just read to us out loud and whatever little graph or chart or written math you could provide us? And we'll put that up on the website under your okay. episode number. And this is going to be episode number 32, Veronica Solomon, everybody, who's a repeat guest, and we love her. Um, and then, <laughs> so when you go to businessofdesign.com under episode 32, you're going to be able to find that. And I think if you are looking at that as you're listening to Veronica describe it, it becomes very clear. So, um, you know, and I think one thing uh, to put out there that I really admire about you is you're not afraid to make money. You're not apologetic about the fact that you need to make money. Uh, there's no like, you know, cause so often when I talk to designers, they're like, well, I feel bad cause we're charging an hourly fee and then I'm going to take money on top of that. Like it doesn't seem right. Um, so talk to me about that. How did you get confident and comfortable owning that business space and knowing that your company should be profitable? Well, um, a lot of that, I, I, I've, I've always felt that way, that if I'm in business, I need to be making money. I've been in business for about 10 years, and I did struggle a lot in the very beginning. And that's because I was falling into that mentality that, you know, it's, it's, it, you should always try to look, for, look out for your clients first and 
you know, by all means you should, but you're also in business to make money. And then I came across you, of course, and um, you started to empower the thinking that I was having that, yes, I'm supposed to be making money doing this. Why am I working so hard, but yet I cannot pay my mortgage or I cannot pay my bills? I mean, it just didn't make sense to me. Right. And so I started to own this um, thing that's called business savvy. And um, and then I thought about it and I, and I thought to myself, well, I'm bringing a service to my clients. I'm, I'm providing every um, item, every aspect of this design process to them. They don't have to do anything other than make a couple decisions up front and say, yay or nay, I like this design. And then I take over and I get everything done for them. So that is what I'm doing for them as a service. And then in addition to that, I am bringing them products. I'm making it very convenient for them. They don't have to take my design now and run down to you know, the corner store and go try to purchase these items on their own. I'm bringing these products to them. And so therefore, I consider myself a retailer as well. So they're actually purchasing products from me I'm just making it very convenient for them to do that I've already you know worked out the dimensions and the color and everything and made it you know making it easy for, for us to identify what products to purchase and so why shouldn't I um, make a profit off of these products that I'm presenting to my clients just like a, a normal retailer would and so that's when I kind of got into the mindset that yes this is perfectly fine. It's completely acceptable for me to make money and make a profit. And the minute I start doing that, I started to see the whole thing changed and the game changed for me. And I started to make actually make money in my business for the first time ever. And I can actually pay my bills now. <laughs> so it was very empowering for me. I'm so excited for you. Just even the way you describe that, I, I realized the value we bring to clients is so significant. And think about it, this, everybody, put your consumer hat on for a minute. If you could phone somebody and have them take care of purchasing your new phone and your new data plan and your new text messaging plan and get on the phone with somebody when something goes wrong with it and just handle that for you, wouldn't you pay for that? I mean, I would just, I'd be so happy to pay somebody to do that stuff for me so I never have to do it again, right? Or, right? right? I mean, and, and the work that we do is so complicated and so time consuming and we've figured out some efficiencies so it doesn't take as much time. But when I'm, when I have a client who's saying, well, couldn't I do some of the purchasing myself? Usually I'll say to them, what was the last, you know, home decor item you purchased? And they'll say, oh, we went shopping for a mattress. How long did that take you? And how stressful was that? And how easy was, was it for you to make decisions about pillow top versus no pillow top versus, you know, all the questions that they're going to ask you when you go out and buy a mattress? That's one thing. When you're decorating your house, there's 400 things. Do you really have time to do that 400 times? I don't think you do. So, yeah. Yeah, right? I mean, gosh, I think at the end of the day, we're, we're an incredibly valuable service. And no, not everybody could afford it. Absolutely, uh -huh. that's true. So you want to find your sweet spot, that customer who is strapped for time uh, but has money, and they're going to turn it over to you and trust you to make smart decisions. That's true. And I mean... You know, I get it all the time where, you know, if I tell somebody that I'm a designer, oh my gosh, how fun. People pay you to shop. Right. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> sounds fun until you actually have to do it. You I know, know, I'm and thinking, listen up, listen up, cupcake. 
You couldn't handle my job for one day. <laughs> Not even a day. You know, I'm working on a couple, you know, large projects right now. And, you know, there are little things that come up and I have to make quick decisions and immediately have to think of a solution. And that's, I call myself a problem solver because half the time that's what I'm doing. It's just like, okay, well, there, there wasn't enough fabric for that. Okay, here's what we're going to do instead. And, or the thing came in damaged and we're installing it next week. Okay, here's what we're going to do instead. You know, mm-hmm. so you're all, we're always thinking on our feet and always coming up with solutions. Clients, I mean, if that was to happen to them, they'd panic immediately. It would just be all panicking all the time. And so we're so used to, you know, working through some of these issues and even have systems in place to handle things like that, that it's so, it's worth paying for. And I've had those clients too, the clients who like to go out to the ledge, you know, the minute there's something wrong, it's like drama and, oh my God, this is, you know, this is the end of the world. No, actually it's just drapes. Hang on. Don't jump yet. (laughs) But I will say to them, like you, you pay me to worry. You're paying me to worry about this. And I'm stressed out of my mind right now and I won't be able to sleep until this is resolved. So there's no reason for both of us to be worried about this. You know, you hand the baton to me and let me do it. I want to go back to that idea of how to increase those markups. Um, because it, if you're buying at stores that are, uh, well, if you're going to TJ Maxx to do your shopping, cut it out because there's no discount there for you. Uh, and there's no glory there for you. And you're saving the client a few dollars but you're shooting yourself in the foot. So I do think you also want to be strategic about who you're buying from because some stores will give you 10% off. Some some stores are giving you 20 or 30% off. And then, of course, there's wholesale, which is giving you, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes 200% off. Do you think about that as you're selecting your vendors? Absolutely. And this is a very important reason why I go to market as much as I do, because I'm trying to find vendors who um, I can maximize. uh, They will allow me to maximize my profits. And so I look for ones that I can get the best pricing from. And so when I'm, you know, sometimes you go to some of the bigger um, vendors and they're trying to send you to, well, there's a local company that they're to the trade and you should go buy from them. Well, I'm like, no, I don't want to buy from them because they're adding 10, 20 percent to to the wholesale cost. And, you know, I'm trying to pay less than that. So I want to set up my own account and, you know, give you volumes. And that's what I try to do. I try to have that loyalty um, thing going because if I if I bring you all of my business, well, I don't have one vendor for, for, for certain things. I mean, I, I'll have, you know, four or five upholstery vendors, for example. But I try to do business with some of the same people and um, build my volume with them. That way I can get the best pricing. Um, and I try to avoid working with companies who don't want to give me the best pricing possible because I am trying to maximize my profits. And in order to do that, then I have to, you know, source the products, um, you know, you know, save on the products that I'm sourcing for my clients. And so it's very important to me to go to market and, you know, find some of those new vendors and, and work with them as much as possible and build relationships with my representatives and try to avoid running. I don't even do retail shopping hardly ever. I mean, if I'm styling a room and I need to run down to, um, you know, to home goods and get a few little tiny items to kind of fill a bookshelf, I may do that. But for the most part, I'm ordering from to the trade wholesale vendors where I can get the best pricing possible. Okay, so so I'm glad you brought up High Point because we're going to take a business of design trip there in April, and may, maybe Veronica, if we uh, if we tempt you with martinis or something, you'll do a little talk for everybody. <laughs> yes. can we can we can we tempt you to do that? I'm in. Okay, <laughs> say oh my martini, God. and I'm there. 
(laughs) Martinis and markups, people. High Point 2018. Be there. Okay. I'm glad you brought up High Point because I didn't go for so many years uh, because years ago, you know, you couldn't buy directly. Uh, They were really focused on making sure you bought through their retail suppliers, but it's totally different now and you can buy direct from anybody. And we do a lot of shopping in High Point. But I'm going to give a shout out to local retail stores too because we do use local retail stores and yes, our markup is less at local retail stores. But there's a couple of things to think about, I think. Number one is you want to keep those favorite retail locations going in your community. I think it's really important to keep local stores open. So there's that, you know. Um, And the second thing is um, when there's a big mistake on a job, uh, like I'll give you an example. We purchased two sofas and they were a matching pair of sofas, and something went wrong, and we didn't get our matching pair of sofas. So luckily, I had a great relationship with a retail store. I called them. They said, we have two gray sofas miraculously sitting here in inventory. And I said, can you ship them to my client's house today? We're in the middle of an install, and these two sofas aren't around, and the clients are about to come home to their living room with no sofas. Mm -hmm. So because I had a great relationship with that store, we were able to get those sofas on a truck. They were sitting in the client's home. They weren't the sofas the client ordered, but they were damn close. The clients didn't even notice. I had to tell them those were different sofas. (laughs) They could care less. They were great sofas. It was done. So I do think there are some advantages to keeping a healthy relationship with those local stores. Um, you know, so for example, in uh, Los Angeles, I do a lot of shopping on La Cienega. I just love all those stores and I, they have to stay there. I can't live without, you know, Meacox mm-hmm. Gardens and Dragonette and all those great shops on La Cienega. So I, I got to keep those people alive for sure. Mm-hmm. But you're right. We do some bulk shopping at High Point. And I'm actually in um, April, I will be at the back end of the business of design trip. Um, I have a client who will be meeting me in High Point and we're going to do some, she wants to do some shopping together. We've done three houses with her, um, so I know her well enough to know she can handle this, and we're going to do some shopping for her at High Point together, which will be really, really fun. So you are aware of those suppliers who give you the deepest discount, and that's strategically, that's smart for your business. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, but and you're right, because I try to keep a mix. I, I try to have a very good mix, because there is certain situations situations where it's, you know, I have to go to some of those, you know, local places. And so I think it's very important, important that you have, um, you know, different vendors that you can go to for different things. And um, just for example, I do e-design. So I do have to um, specify retailers for that, obviously. And I try to set up affiliate accounts in order for me to even make a commission off of the, the, um, the links that I'm sharing with my clients for the different products that they're to, to purchase for their e-design. So, so I have that as well too. So for me, it's, it's always thinking like a business person though. It's like, how can I make the most money off of this and still provide my clients with the value that they're paying me for? And so that's when I decide who I'm going to pick for, for, for whatever project I'm working on. So the retailers do play a role, you know, um, the, to the trade um, showrooms locally also play a role, but I'm still always trying to maximize my profits as much as possible. Absolutely. And that is the best strategy for your clients as well, because they're every time you make money, they save money in terms of your product that you're purchasing. How does this impact you in terms of trades? Because I do almost a similar thing with trades, and I know that's a complicated, that's another podcast, but do you have mm-hmm. a similar method when you're working with trades? Do you use the business of design way of working with trades? 
Yes. So my trades do offer me a discount off of what they would have normally charged uh, a, a regular client. And that's because I use the same trades over and over for years and years. And so it, just like you, I think yours is 20 percent. And that's what I've negotiated as well with my trades people. And so that I split 50 50 with my clients. Right. Okay, good. Lots of our trades are deeper than 20%. Our lowest is 20%, but we have some trades who are 60%, which we love. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, so go back. And, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we're having this conversation. You go right back to your trades and you have another conversation with them. I will now. <laughs> well, the thing is, you know, once you work with the same trades for a while, they figure out that you're mm-hmm. super easy to work for. And so mm-hmm. they're happy to give you their very best price and they're happy to then charge regular folks off the street more money. We're not asking them to charge less. We're actually just asking them to charge more to people they don't know. And once Mm -hmm. they figure out that that's your strategy, they're super happy to be involved with that. And you know what? I earn every penny on project management because Mm -hmm. as you know, managing trades is really complicated and difficult. And those few times when I end up on a project where the trade isn't mine, I just like, oh my gosh, I miss my (laughs) trades so much because it's just so difficult, right? Yeah, it's almost like a dance because we, we, we know exactly what each other is thinking. For example, my workroom, I cannot even imagine doing a project without my workroom involved, my drapery workroom, because she knows, I mean, the things that I don't seem to remember or I may miss something, she catches that. Yeah. Same thing with my tile guy, you know, he like point things out to me. I'm like, oh, I would have never caught that in a million years, you know? So it's, yes. it's, it's almost like a dance and we, we know each other very well. And that's why I try to keep the same people as much as possible. I know people talk about turnover all the time, but I think if you treat your trades well and they know pretty much once I call them into the equation, it's a done deal because by this point, I've already gotten a deposit from the client. So they know it's a done deal. It's not a waste of time. They'll drop whatever they're doing to come to the jobs that I'm calling them out for estimates. And so it's just worked out well for me in that way. Absolutely right. That's so funny. I was at a a trade day recently with my drapery maker. And I said, you know, if we do a row and blind, could we do some trim along the bottom? And I was kind of describing what I wanted. And the client happened to be standing there. And he goes, you don't like that. And I said, no, 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 I'm, I want to have, you know, the trim like this. And he goes, no, you don't, you don't like that. And I said, what do you mean I don't like that? He goes, we did that at so-and-so's house and you didn't like it. I'm like, oh, right, right. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. <laughs> and my client's listening to the whole thing. I said, yeah, well, this is why he makes the big bucks because, you know, he yeah, knows exactly. all this stuff. It's so good. I love that. Okay. <laughs> how does custom furniture play into all of this? Because I know you do some custom pieces as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I try to specify custom as much as possible. One, because I don't like getting shopped and um, I, I don't get shopped a lot. In fact, I don't I don't get shopped at all because of the way I present my ideas to my clients. And let's where did I get that concept from? Get really <laughs> yeah, I, I don't get and shopped. I, do I don't get shopped either. Yeah, people no. say, say they don't. I've had someone literally say to me, I don't believe you. I'm like, okay, well, we'll just try well, it. I believe you because <laughs> I don't get shopped. Absolutely don't get shopped no. at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, my clients have no interest in going to find anything at all. No. And um, But what I find when you bring custom furniture into the mix as well, that helps to eliminate that idea of shopping you because then, you know, it's something that you're making from scratch. There isn't anything to compare compare to that. And um, I, I prefer to do that just because I want to bring in a unique touch as much as possible to my client's project. So I so specify custom as much as possible, especially in upholstery. And uh, But, you know, a lot of times we just have to buy things that are existing and just curate items for our clients in a way that it looks unique and looks like they're the only people who own that particular item, even though it's it's out there in the marketplace. 
Oh my gosh, it's true. I love doing custom as well. Um, okay, so are you able, have you done a deep dive into your business to determine how much of your revenue stream comes from markups? Let's just call it markups for shorthand, from your margins yeah. on selling product and trades compared to your hourly rates? Well, I'd say my markups, um, that's the biggest part of my, my business profitability. Um, I'd say it accounts for for my net revenue. I'd say it accounts for over 50% of that. I mean, I do charge my, my fees, my, you know, because I time... I time every project. I, I always am working out how much time I'm spending on certain tasks. So I know um, what to charge because I don't do a flat fee. I still do hourly, but I do it. I estimate my fees up front based on, you know, based on hourly what I think the project is going to take. And so I, I make sure that I'm tracking my time properly, but I still find that my biggest um, revenue source comes from product sales. And so that's why it's always going to be a part of my business model. Wow. I know there's people right now listening who are saying, wait, what? <laughs> because whenever I have this conversation, invariably there's a designer who said, no, I, I can't be bothered. I just let the client do the shopping themselves because I just can't be bothered. It's not worth the time. It's not worth the money. And I'm just flabbergasted when I hear that because the reality is, yeah, this should represent a huge revenue stream for you. Mm -hmm. And you can't afford not to do this if you're serious yeah. about being in business. And the sentiment that you expressed that you were working, 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 but not being able to pay your bills, I hear that all the time from people. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if you've been doing it five years or 40 years. I've met people who are 40-year veterans who are still not making money. There's no magic. There's no mystery. You have to to have a multi-tiered revenue stream. So your hourly rate, which is your expertise, and then your margins on product and trades, right? Which is your project or your project management fees. If you do those things and then you do what Veronica said, which is track your hours, you know, religiously, carefully, thoroughly, and give your clients log sheets with details about those hours, you're golden. There's no way you can't be making huge money. Um, and how much money would you say, or would you say that you're, how, how, how much of a growth has there been in your profit, profitability in the last five years? Oh my gosh. Um, should I say numbers? Yeah. If <laughs> you're comfortable. <laughs> hey guys, are you okay with her saying numbers? Yeah. Everybody's going, yeah, yeah, please, please. <laughs> Well, okay. So for the first, okay. So about three years ago, I started seeing that, oh, it, when I'm really actually charging um, um, a proper margin, I'm, I'm actually making money now, you know? So mm -hmm. for the first year, I, I was probably, my gross revenue for the year was probably around 450 or so. Um, the year after that was 587. And then this year, I'm probably on target for about 750. And this is gross revenue, including um, cost of goods and all that. And for my little business, it's it's a big deal for me because I came from like in, in the red sometimes. You know, mm -hmm. at the end of one year, I remember I was like, by the time I paid taxes and everything, I was in the red, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm, I worked really hard that year. And I'm like, OK, so why do I owe money instead of like yeah. earning money here? How demoralizing so, is that? Right. How demoralizing. Yeah, what a kick in the self-esteem when you're working full time and you find out you don't have enough money to pay your bills. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, with two little kids at home, I had to like step back and I and think to myself, this this cannot happen. Yeah. You know, stressed out about money all the time and working hard, taking time away from my family and something just wasn't making sense. And then I realized the potential that I had that I was not utilizing. I realized that I'm, you know, these clients, they're 
buying these products anyway, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to buy these products anyway. So why am I not the one presenting them with these products and, you know, and then putting myself in the role of the retailer, making sure that these products obviously work for them because, you know, I'm, you know, much more than a retailer, obviously, because, you know, I'm not just selling them a sofa, I'm making sure that sofa is the right one for them. And why, why not get paid on that? And so when I started to really look at it from that perspective, it changed everything for me. And, um, and so, yeah, so now every decision that I make, it comes down to like, okay, is this going to be profitable for my business? Yes. I think about my clients first and foremost, to make sure that they're well taken care of because I, I believe that my role is to make sure that my clients are happy at the end of the day. But I also think of it in terms of dollars and cents and as a businesswoman that, okay, this has to be profitable for me as well too. So I'm not just doing it. This is a, as a charity. That's why I do charities separate. Cause I know, okay, that's time that I have no business charging for over here. If I'm going to be spending the time, then I need to make money off of it. I'm so excited for you. I really am. And I'm going to make an assumption too, that as your gross revenue has grown, your profitability your profit margin has grown as well. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so my margin is probably over 42%. My profit margin on, um, on every project is probably over about 40, 42%. Whoa. That's big. You guys, that's huge. Uh-huh. That is huge. That's fantastic. So here's what I see for you in 2018. I see for you, I'm looking into my crystal ball here and I see <laughs> you breaking that million dollars. That's what I see yes. for you in 2018. And a million so dollars <laughs> with, yeah, a million dollars with a 42% profit margin means Veronica's going to take home. Sorry, this is really getting personal. Um, <laughs> Veronica's going to take home $420,000. Is that right? Did I do the math right? Four hundred. Yeah, that's, that's about right. So that's yeah. the goal for 2018, actually. Close to a uh, half a million. Said- yeah, close to yeah, half a million yeah. dollars. Close so, to half a million. and I, this is cracking me up because, of course, two seconds ago I heard you say my little business, and I'm thinking like, honey, you don't have a little business. <laughs> you know, you don't have a little business. You have an old school boys club business now. You're an empire. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want it to be, you know, I want it definitely. And uh, that's what I'm working towards. And it, it's very empowering to me because I've gotten this confidence that I never knew I had. And I hate to say, because, you know, you hear the saying that money doesn't buy you happiness. It doesn't buy you happiness, but it does buy you a lot of other things. Um, <laughs> it buys you really, some stuff that makes you happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's a, it's a confidence. I've become such a salesperson because I, I did not have the confidence in the past to to even think of myself as a salesperson. And now in my business, I consider myself that. I consider myself somebody who I'm, I'm selling myself, first of all, and then I'm selling a design, a concept, an idea to my clients. And um, it's very important to me to go into every project um, and sell it, you know? And so it takes skill and it's something that I've learned to do. And uh, it, it came from confidence. It came from the desire to succeed. And it came from... Um, that need and that goal that I set for myself that, okay, I'm going to make this a profitable business. I'm not going to run back out there and go work for somebody else. Cause that's what I would do year after year when I'm trying to do my business and, you know, I wasn't making money cause I wasn't doing it right. And then I, okay, like, let me just put it on pause here and I'm going to go work for um, somebody down the street. And, you know, it, it helped a little bit cause I did gain some um, experience working for other companies and I have no problem with any designer who has to do that right now just to kind of keep things going. But when I, 
it's when I stepped away from that and decided, okay, this is, I'm doing this for real. This is, this is what's going to pay my bills. This is what's going to put my kids through college. This is it. And that, when I changed that whole thinking, that's when I saw things just completely change for me. Wow. You're a real inspiration. You really are. And tell us about your Facebook group. Okay, so my Facebook group, it's called um, What They Don't Teach You in Design School. And um, I started it mainly because um, I just, over the last couple of years, I realized that I just had this passion to share information. And it was because I I was doing this thing all by myself for so long. And I looked around um, and there was nobody that I could, you know, ask questions or get any mentoring from and you know, even locally, I try to get a mentor look locally and the, the people were just like, no, no, we're not hiring. I'm like, well, I'm just, I'm not even looking for a job. I just want to sit with you for a couple of days or something like that. So when I looked around, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't something that was readily available. But once I started learning and, and seeing results in my own business, there was just something inside of me that made me want to share that. And so I was in another group where I would share that constantly. And, um, and then I decided to kind of leave that group and I was going to go off and do my own thing. And then somebody said, Veronica, you should start your own group because I, can, I noticed that about you. I noticed that you're, you're so good about sharing information. And so I did start the group and um, it was really designed for um, really young designers who, who were maybe less than three years in business, even students, because I am I'm mentoring students as well. And so I started it in that way. But now it's grown to about 1,300 or so members and it's designers at every stage of their careers from students to um, seasoned designers and we share so much information we talk about everything profits and margins and um, vendor relations and um, what to charge design fees and all of that stuff so we talk about everything and I do regular videos in there and I kind of just talk about my own experience and the things that I've overcome in my own business and the things that I've um, learned and you know I'll come across something that you said or another mentor of mine may have said and I kind of share that information with them as well. And so it's become a community of designers who really stick together and we really care about each other's successes. So it's been great. Well, I'm really excited that you're doing that. You know, there's so much bad information out there. And I, mm-hmm. I just shudder sometimes when I see the information people give designers. So when I know of somebody who's giving great information um, and paying it forward, like I, it just it makes me so happy and so full of gratitude. Like this really is an amazing business. You guys were not competitors. Uh, we're mm-hmm. peers. And every single one of us uh, can be a success without it hurting the next one. So, um, you know, pay it forward. If you've got information that's going to help somebody who's on the road just a little bit further behind you, then, you know, grab them by the hand and share with them what you know and, you know, follow Veronica's example. I'm, I'm really excited that you're doing that. And, and I'm excited for you, too, because I think, you know, you said money doesn't buy happiness, which is true. But... Boy, does making money and having a company that's successful give you confidence and self-esteem and self-worth? Um, it, that's yeah. such a gift, right? It, it absolutely is. And um, because of that, because of my whole mindset change when it comes to money, because, you know, it's it's the elephant in the room, I guess. You know, people never talked about money because it's just this weird thing to talk about. And even learning this from you that, you know, when I talk to my clients, first of all, even about money, you know, I sit there and I look them in the eye and I'm like giving them the numbers and I don't shudder and I don't like stutter. This is what your fee is. This is what this project's going to cost. And I approach life in the same way as well. So I have no problem talking about money anymore. Um, and so that's helped to, to, to build my confidence where that is concerned. And so, you know, I, 
because of money, uh, because of my whole thinking and, and the fact that it changed, um, I was able to like get myself from a, a position where I was like completely in debt to living debt free, um, able to kind of do some of the things I've always wanted to do, opening my storefront. Finally, um, that took money and I'm now able to invest in a little bit of real estate. So I'm doing that. And it's all kind of stemming from the confidence that I got about just talking about money. And it's not this, this idea of it's greed or it's whatever people think why they don't talk about it. It's not about that at all, because the more money I have, the more I can help somebody, you know, the charity work that I do, it takes money to do that. And so, um, and so, yeah, like you said, paying it forward is so important as well, not just to, you know, your knowledge, but that's why you make money sometimes because you're, you're meant to share it somehow with somebody else who, who may need it. So, so that's, true. yeah, I love, I love Marianne Williamson. I read sometimes her spiritual writing and she says, um, you don't, you know, you're not doing anyone a service by playing small. The universe mm-hmm. doesn't need you to play small. The universe needs right. you to be your authentic best self because mm-hmm. then you can reach out and help everybody else, which is true. And you've reached out mm-hmm. and helped everybody else today, Veronica, with your candor, even willing to share numbers. Like, what an amazing woman you are. We love you so much. <laughs> so, Veronica, before we wrap it up, I always like to ask uh, everybody on the podcast now for a little design intervention. Uh, mm-hmm. One or two tips that you think are completely actionable right this minute for those who are listening. Um, when they get out of the car or they take their headphones out and they're done with the podcast and they have a spare 5, 10, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, what actionable advice would you give them for their business? Um, well, I would say gain some confidence. <laughs> um, and I think it's something that you can just decide to do. It's 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 a switch that you can turn on and or off. I think, just gaining that confidence to go out there and just know that okay, I'm going to stand behind my designs. I'm going to ask for what I'm worth. I'm going to sell the service today. I'm going to sell all my designs, and um, just having that confidence. I think it's just one thing. I think anybody can kind of just switch that on and go for it. So in order to gain the confidence, you know, I know a lot of us are involved in ASID groups or Arito groups or other design community groups, you know, consider doing some role playing. If you really lack confidence, consider, you know, taking a partner at one of these events and each of you pretending to be the designer or the client and practice because it it gets easier. The more you can say your rates and the cost of goods without flinching, uh, the more your confidence will build. So that's something you could do to kind of gain the confidence. I think it's almost like Toastmasters, you know, you get up and you get Mm -hmm. comfortable with public speaking, but do some role playing with one another. Oh yeah. Or in front of the mirror. I've done that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. In the car. I'm a big talker in the car. Yeah. Oh, I am too. <laughs> big talker. The thing is now you can be talking on your cell phone. So you don't even look crazy. But like 20 yeah, years I ago, I just looked batshit crazy. Cause I'm talking to myself and I'm having a real heated conversation. Right. Oh my gosh. You're I so thought I funny. was the only one. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you're so sweet. Um, I hope I talked to you before high point, but I swear I'm putting you on the spot and you are going to lead a seminar at high point for everybody oh my gosh that would be amazing i would love that (laughs) yay yay well big hugs to you out there in katy texas and keep doing the great work you do and i love seeing your uh, videos on facebook um thanks so much for sharing all this great information thank you kimberly i really appreciate being here and thanks for having me back on 
At Business of Design, we know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate business challenges and transform your life. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses, plus access to Kimberly Selden as your mentor and guide. Unlike traditional coaching, which can take years to produce tangible results, BOD is a fast track to immediate results for independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers just like you. Monthly membership is only $67.50. Annual members save two months and have access to Kimberly's contracts. What are you waiting for? Together, we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today.